This episode is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped have kindly agreed to continue sponsoring the podcast. You can use our promo code GTM to receive 20% off all products and free worldwide shipping. If you've not heard of Manscaped before, they're now the leading company in male grooming. Their products range from face razors to nose trimmers and their famous lawnmower 3.0, which is a product specifically designed for in and around your never regions, so you no longer have to worry about snagging the bag. As a listener of Go In The Match, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our promo code GTM. Head over to www.manscaped.com to have a look at all their range of products to grab yourself an absolute bargain. Welcome back to the Go In The Match podcast. Today I'm joined by Geordie Holden. Jordy is a match going red and part of the spying cop who do an incredible job in getting banners and flags on the cop at Anfield. Jordy, thanks for giving me time today, mate, and coming on the podcast. Good to see you, mate. Looking forward to it. Okay, so I want you to take us back to your childhood, growing up with red. Where were you born and how did your love for Liverpool Football Club begin? Uh, I was born in the Women's Hospital in Liverpool, which is just on the cusp of town, mm. on, uh, in 2001, the treble year. <laughs> and uh, I was born. I was born at I was actually born at half time when we were playing Porto. Oh yeah. And yeah, and uh, Michael Owen scored. My granddad was at the match and uh, my dad had it on in the on the radio in the hospital. <laughs> and uh, Michael Owen scored, so I was, they, they nearly called me Michael or Owen, which luckily they didn't. So what happened with him after it? But uh, yeah, I've lived in the south end of the city all my life, about fifteen minutes away from the ground. And yeah, being born into a red family, both grand granddads have been red. Went to Rome in seventy seven into Milan, Saint Etienne. No other yeah. choice. Then. I I did notice like yeah. on your Twitter and stuff that like you are born into a proper red family, like aren't you? And yeah, yeah. Do you like do you like look back at that now, thinking like how happy you are for that? Because I think some yeah. people just look at it now and think, well, I was always going to be a red, but like some of the journeys, obviously, we've been able to go on and stuff. Do you? Do you sort of look back at that now and think, like, you know, thank God you just put me in that position? Yeah, best. My granddad said he got took to um, Goodison one one week and Anfield the next, and he even both granddads chose Liverpool when we were in the second division. Yeah. When Shankly took over, and Everton were the the top, well, the top dogs of the city at at the time. But it was I thanked them every day. Luckily, and <laughs> luckily now. <laughs> <laughs> So can you remember anything from like the first match you went to? Any sort of like the first match the experience you had going to Anfield for the first time? I, I can't remember the the experience of like going in the the pubs etc. But my first match was um was in two thousand and four, right. and uh, we played Strum Grass in uh, the Champions League the year we won it in Istanbul. Yeah, we played them in the group stage in August of two thousand and four, and we got beat one nil at Anfield. <laughs> <laughs> by strung grass and we went on to win it. So yeah, went there with me went there with my dad for that game. That was my first ever game. And then like obviously I know you've done you've definitely done the miles on the aways as well, obviously growing up now. Have you got any sort of like away grounds that you've particularly enjoyed going to over the years? Um the be- the best away ground I've been to is um it's actually knocked down now with uh, the bowling ground, West Ham's. Oh yeah. We, we went to um when on the 2014 title charge, Gerard scored two pens late on in April. So mm. it's a very good memory of the ground. That's, that that was the only game I went to there. But um, that 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 was probably the best ground I've been to. But now I think I don't know why I get called a I get called a weirdo by the lad 
the lads are about with. But um, I, I, I like uh, Arsenal's my favourite one. I don't know why. Yeah. But it's just just like where it is in London. It, it, the far the far ones are the best. I think. So where it is in London, it, it's it's and the away end on the on the cusp of the ground. It's boss. Do you reckon, like, you touched on, like, the bowl and there. Do, do you reckon, like, going on all these aways, and it's ironically, you obviously talk about the Emirates there, do you think, like, those sort of nostalgic grounds, like the bowling, obviously you haven't got that anymore, and you could argue that, obviously, Goodison's probably that sort of ground now, and that's not going to be there that much longer. From, like, your experience and going the aways, do you think that's going to be something the Premier League's maybe going to miss from, like, a match day experience, those sort of, maybe, like, a hostile, nostalgic ground, maybe? Yeah, not just the Premier League. Well, the, if you'd ask West Ham fans, they they move back in a heartbeat, wouldn't they? And so would Arsenal. So would Tottenham. And and in five years, so would Everton. I think so. It's one of the reasons. That we'll, I'd ne- I'd personally never want to move away from Anfield. So that'll be one of the most nostalgic grounds in the next five years, won't it? In the yeah, Premier no, League. I literally couldn't agree more. And that's like one of the best decisions we ever made. It's like not taking up yeah. Hicks and Gillette's decision of potentially moving. And then Definitely, obviously yeah. put where we were. So, uh, but obviously, touching on the aways there, doing the European aways compared to the domestic aways, like how would you compare them? Because I've always felt personally that sort of relationship Liverpool have with the European Cup and like the history of just going to like some mad places and just creating these stories that even we've been able to do over the last couple of years. Do you feel there's like a different? I've always felt personally like, there's a difference doing the domestic to the Europeans. Yeah, definitely. The the European away are obviously much better, aren't they? Because you go into a foreign place where you've most of the time where you've never been. Mm. That's why the Europa League's great as well, isn't it? Because you go to yeah. uh, different places. But yeah, the the European away is um, it, it's weird because my 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 favorite European away we got beat three 0 by Barcelona, but because of the trip you had around the game, yeah. it was just great. But the best one or the best one. In total, was put is Bayern Munich because with the game, you you know you go into one of the the big boys and beating them in their own backyard. Yeah, definitely. And like I've noticed, like I noticed as well that you did Roma in 2018 as well. And obviously, people that listen to this podcast know that I bang on about that all the time. That it's probably the best experience of my life outside my son being born. And uh, <laughs> something something on that I want to get your thoughts on was that trip in particular because for me, like. There was a special sense about that game in terms of it just felt like a throwback to the eighties in terms of like a ho- like a hostile atmosphere and like you know obviously the small matter of us getting to a Champions League final as well but I always feel like that that game maybe doesn't get spoken about enough maybe because of what happened in Kiev I just wanted to get what your thoughts and your experience in Roma was as well yeah the, as you say it was it, probably that and Belgrade probably the most hostile grounds I've ever been to yeah but. Um, yeah, as you say, as you, you mentioned, Kiev there, it, it'd be remembered much better if we were if we went to the final and won, wouldn't it? Yeah. Like everything, like Dortmund, if we went to that final and won. But um, yeah, the the coaches to the ground in Rome, it was just it was just mad, wasn't it? Yeah. Just uh, the shuttle buses the club put on to oh. get the fans to the to get the fans to the um, to the square to the Olympico were just mad and they made them even more angry because you could see them all on the motorbikes going to the ground putting the finger up to you because he had stopped all their traffic all the away fans going through to the ground so always remember, but yet the, I always remember the last, someone had a Lazio flag in our end yeah 
Yeah, I had a Lazio cap on it, which wasn't a, looking back wasn't a good idea. Like, but because <laughs> yeah, but that the th- the thirty minutes after the full time whistle will stay with you forever, won't you? Because uh-huh. it was just when the players come back out as well. When you thought they'd gone down, it was just oh, taking to the grave. I remember, like, I remember the full time whistle going, and I remember just seeing Van Dyke just drop into his knees, and literally, I just felt like I could have cried. Like at that moment, mm-hmm. in time I could have just welled up and cried, and then yeah. like, about like the players and like. I was in Trent coming back out with Woodburn. Yeah, yeah. Roan. And, uh, yeah, the two youngsters at the front. Yeah, it was mad that, wasn't it? And uh, yeah. I just feel like that one maybe doesn't get spoken about enough, but maybe that's because obviously we didn't win in Kiev. But you spoke about Kiev there. And pe- a lot of people, I know you went to Kiev and obviously you went to Madrid for the final as well. How did them two compare for you? Because a lot of people say that the actual trip for Kiev was better. Then maybe the, maybe what Madrid, Madrid was obviously brilliant because you won the European Cup. But do you think maybe Kiev was a better experience? And if you ask the majority of Liverpool Liverpool fans, yeah, I think that's the um, that's the resounding vote, isn't it? That the, just because it was a different place, and um, I think a lot more Liverpool fans went went to Madrid than making the journey over to Kiev. So yeah, but for me, I, you can't I I just can't look past Madrid be, because we won it and be. It, it depends on, doesn't it? Because everyone has their own experiences where you, where you stayed and what bar what bars you went into. You know, one bar could be terrible and then the next bar could be bouncing yeah. and the best song is going. So, you know, Shevchenko Park will be hard to be. I didn't go to the um, the square in Madrid just because it was that rammed and yeah. that rammed full of people in there. We stayed out the way a bit. But um, Shevchenko Park was, would have been, it's going to be hard to be for the rest, for the rest of a final. So obviously, touch on Madrid there. I suppose I want, I suppose a bit of a, a bit of a bog standard question, but obviously, win the European Cup number six. What what was your sort of feelings after after we won that? Because I went to Madrid, I wasn't lucky enough to get a ticket, but even just seeing us were lifting the European Cup again after having such like a trophy drought, I suppose, for such a big club and us. What was your sort of feeling and elation after that final whistle? Yeah, it was tiredness really. Because <laughs> it, it was absolutely roasting, and the the ground had just emptied out of water and ale. So when we'd won it, you just sweating, and then the day he scored, it was just like we've done it. And just standing there next to my dad, and um, and my dad's mate who we, we've always been with, and just like you know, we, we were at Baal in Kiev under cloth, and then it's like we finally done it. Do you, rec- do you reckon? Obviously, you touched on like being there with your dad and like your family and that. Do you think like that experience made it more special? Like I've always touched on this podcast about like you can be sat sat somewhere in the ground on your own and have an incredible like an incredible experience and witness like an amazing night, a European night or whatever. But you know, when you're doing it with like your mates or your family, it just means more to like say you've seen it with them, doesn't it? Yeah, definitely. Especially for my dad as well, because he he would he would have been in Istanbul with his mate, but then Istanbul on his own and then Madrid with his son. Yeah, you know that 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 must be some some feeling that wasn't it. So, yeah, um, yeah. But with me granddad, me granddad never goes abroad anymore to watch them. So, um, but we we have three dead lucky because we have three season tickets next to each other in the Kremlin. Yeah, with like a dead boss group of lads lads around us who, you know, we speak to speak to all the time. But yeah, it's it's definitely definitely better. Not better, but like it's a great feeling doing it with your family. Yeah, 100%. Well, you touched on your dad there. I've seen, uh, seen a picture you put on Twitter the other day about um, 
with uh, you on his on his shoulders when uh, we had the Hicks and Gillette protest. And obviously, being a bit of a young lad then, and do you sort of remember any of that? Any sort of, and I suppose with like the Super Cup stuff, like obviously uh, the Super League, should I say, stuff's coming up recently with the protests and everything. Did any sort of memories flood back from that? Uh, yeah, a lot of memories. Seen a lot of pictures and the vi- the video that you seen popped up, obviously, didn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it was a it was a mad time. It, I was only ten at the time, so uh, I a few things got lost in translation with me a bit. I was I was bouncing around with me Torres with me Torres here, thinking I was Torres in my Spain kit on the in, in my Spain kit on the marches. So playing playing FIFA on my PSP or on the, on my dad's shoulders. So uh, that it was obviously that was it was great, wasn't it? What the um, spirit of Shankly done back then for the club. Set us up in a good position now. Now, yeah, the protest after the Sunderland game and outside the main stand in 2010 as well. Yeah. It's just it just really got the message across, and it is similar to what's happened now with the Super League. But at the same time, it that was a that was a this is like a civil war in football, isn't it? The Super League, and we we're obviously our owners have probably played a huge part in that. But that was a civil war just inside Liverpool, and even inside. In the stands, I remember people fighting in the stands over the ownership and that. Just we've got the club completely divided. Yeah, and pe- people don't realise those sort of things. Like you know that, uh, you know maybe not not match going fans. Uh, you know like sort of our international fan base. People don't realise those sort of things. Yeah. Uh, you obviously we mentioned at the start of the pod that you're part of the Spy and Cop group as well. And for people that are listening that maybe aren't aware of that you know these lads organise the flags and the banners on the cop on match days and. You obviously been doing it throughout COVID too. Um, it's actually something that I've touched on quite a lot in um, the previous Liverpool episodes that I've done on the podcast. I've talked about how maybe my match day from my personal point of view has improved over the last like five to seven years. And I think a lot of that has got to do with the effort that you lads do and in terms of helping the atmosphere and things such as boss night too. And I just wanted to understand how you got involved into the Spine Cop and your thoughts around how that's maybe improved a lot of match going fans' experience? I, I honestly don't know how I got involved, to be honest with you. Just um I didn't ask to be involved and they and they didn't ask me to be involved. It was just natural, which which is the, that that was the best thing about it because it's just a load of like minded lads like myself doing it who all anyone wants in it is the best outcome for Liverpool supporters, not not the club, but the supporters in the way the supporters want the club to be shaped and, and seen from from the outside. So it, it started in 2013, Spine Cop with I wasn't a part of it then and then but it went it went from a few ideas on banners and that being portrayed around the field to like basically riding the crest of a title charge where the coaches were going every week. They were turning up at Melwood, putting flat, putting flags over it, and then the FDI it just grew big and big, bigger and bigger, didn't it? But you say about the match going experience, definitely for the younger generation, it, it's improved the match going. It gives people a routine to do on match day and become a bit more involved. Whereas at other grounds, you just you'll see the younger generation just be cast aside, really. But this has given a younger generation a chance of being involved and have their say on the and have their say. And do you sort of feel like there's a lot of responsibility on you lads as well to to keep that tradition going and sort of be that voice of, of our fans? Because I know a lot of people are really proud of Spine Cop being the voice of us. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't really feel any responsibility personally, like because um, and I don't think any of the lads do really, because um, we're lucky at Liverpool for me to have such a good fan representation in in this in spying cop in spirit to Shankly, even in like the disabled supporters group who like they always voice their opinion and it's always from the core of the club who they've been gone for for years and years. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, don't feel any uh. Don't really feel any responsibility in in what we do. It's all it's all just natural. And just as we say, we just want to speak and um, portray the views of Liverpool fans. That's through the through the banners, really. And obviously, like very recently, we've had that all all the farce around the Super League and something. Obviously, the Spiring Cop decided to do is take the flags and the banners um, off the cop to show the ownership that the fans obviously weren't behind it. Which for me was the correct move, and like I obviously I massively applaud everyone involved for doing that. Just wanted to know though, maybe do you think that was quite a difficult decision for the group to make? Because obviously you don't want the players to feel like we weren't behind them, but also you've got to make sure that our voices were heard in a time where they can't be because we're not in the ground. Exactly. Yeah, you've you've nailed it on the head there um, that we are, we're not in the ground, so. There's limited things you can do to portray your to portray your views when such a big thing's going on. You can imagine what what would have been happening if we were in the ground. Yeah. But um, yeah, you'd have you'd have to so taking the flags off the cough. It was the it was the right decision, and because the flags resemble what Liverpool is all about, and the Super League resemble what Liverpool isn't about at all. So yeah, the message was we've always been there for them, and now they have to be there for us, and they were. Was end, end, especially Henderson and yeah there was a bit I think Klopp got lost a bit in translation before the Leeds game by saying uh, I think he just said it in the heat of the moment and he hadn't he'd been told one thing and hadn't put the jigsaw together yet and um, but since he said hasn't he that um, since he said that he he's happy that the flags have been left back on and um, he, he regrets to saying that so but yeah the the flags for me did give us that little bit of uniqueness where other teams haven't had when you're looking at the ground because other teams have just put the same old quotes and left the seats empty. Whereas if you look at the cop, it's still the same. And obviously, just touching on obviously, we're not in the ground still because of COVID and all the farce around that. Um, you were one of the lucky few as well that got into the ground around the December period last year and when we could have a couple of thousand in the ground and I had Gibbo from the Anfield Rap on. Um, not so long ago to talk about his experience with that. Um, so obviously he said there that it was, it was odd, but it was great to be back. Just wanted to get your thoughts on what that experience was like. Was it weird? Was it just, or were you just glad to be back in there? Yeah, it was a surreal experience. It was, it was good. Don't get it was great. Don't get me wrong. Very very lucky to be to two thousand people watching it. But yeah, I I got the West Brom game, which was a bit. Bit of an anti-climax after missing Wolves when we won four 0 and we beat Tottenham in the last minute, and then I get West Brom and we draw one all. <laughs> so it was a bit of an anti-climax in that way, but it was a very weird experience going in. It felt like there were more than two thousand people in the ground, and I was quite low down by the goal in the cop. But it felt just even walking in it, it felt like we'd already won the game in the ground. The ground, you know, I think. John said it actually that the ground felt like the last 10 minutes of the game when the ground was empty out for the whole 90 minutes. So 
Yeah, it was it was very surreal, but luckily I got in with my granddad as well, and we got the tickets next to each other. So it was not well, he wanted to tell tell future generations anyway. Oh yeah, definitely, mate. I mean, I was sitting here thinking what what I would do to give to just be in there again, and I was yeah. that Atletico game, obviously the last game where we had fans. I remember leaving. I did remember leaving thinking, surely this can't be the last time we're in the ground. Um, yeah. But it's it's just mad to think that we haven't been in there properly as a fan base ever since. Um, and it probably, I suppose, we, you know, we can't really come on the podcast now and talk about how Liverpool have currently played out this season. And, you know, there's so many injuries that we've had. And I, I kind of, I, I do agree with obviously the injuries that we've had, but it's mad to think that at one point we were top of the league at one point and yeah. how we were so overachieving then. But then obviously we've massively underachieved. And I think there's been some games where we've been horrific this season. I suppose my question for you is going into next season, what, what would you like to see maybe us do in the transfer market? Or do you think we need to change too much? No, I think we need to get our own house in order first, to be honest with you, with the owners, etc. before we even start thinking about next season. But... I think we've got 10,000 for the Palace game, haven't we, next, next month? I think that's being given the green light. So hopefully, hopefully that works out well for people who people go in there. But next next season, I, I don't know. Obviously, you want to be in the championship. This season's been like one blow after the next, Danny. Yeah. Where you're in a boxing thing and someone's just punching you 24-7. And that all started with, obviously, through COVID, with missing out on being there for the league being there for the league and then, you know, Van Dyke gets injured and then, you know, the downfall of not uh, of not being there singing champion, champions at Anfield, etc. And then the losses we've had at Anfield and then, do you know what I mean? It's just like, it's been one after the other, after the other. And it's just like, I can't, I can't wait till this season's over, to be honest, and roll on August. I think you'll, um, I think you'll be the, the exact same for the full Anfield. Yeah, 100%. The players are probably thinking the same. You touched on, obviously, being champions as well. Um, obviously, me and you are the same generation Liverpool fan. Haven't seen us um, only just put an end to that 30-year wait winning the league. And obviously, we haven't won it in the way that we all envisaged, being in the ground. And I mean, for me, I always thought that that would be, we would do it in a dramatic, typical Liverpool way, do it on the last on the last day of the season or something like that. But to not even be in the ground was, you know, it's unthinkable. But just wanted to get your thoughts on how the feeling of that winning the league, even though we weren't there, knowing that you've been a match going red, going to the arse end of nowhere and stupid seasons where we've bottled games being 3 0 up, and then finally we win the league. Just wanted to get your thoughts on how that felt for you finally doing it. Yeah, it was good. It was superb, wasn't it? Because at the end of the day, we won the league on the hottest day of the year. So, <laughs> but. At the same time, in in like a year, around a year ago now, when it went, uh, it was all up in the air what was going to happen, and people were throwing the null and void shout out, etc. But it was devastating not being there, obviously. But in the end, I was I've always said that I was looking back now, made up. We won it when we weren't playing, and it was Chelsea who beat City, and it because it would have made it it would have made it bittersweet if we say we beat Palace four 0 and we won the league and the ground was empty and I feel it was great because. It, Chelsea beating City give us that night in Anfield, the let off, one let off, and then the next day at the PRA, that was another let off. And then 
the let and then the let off of all let off was when we lifted it against Chelsea. So yeah, it like it was great and it was it was great doing it with people who you never thought you'd you'd see it with like you I you were watching the Chelsea game in the house with yeah. like me mum who you're like She's no, she doesn't go with the match, like, but she's she put enough money into me going the match when I was a kid. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And me, me granddad, who one of me granddad, who doesn't go go to Anfield anymore, so it was it made it even more special in a way. But yeah, I just say everyone had like that a great old moment, wouldn't they, with uh, with all the with all the lads who you sit by. I suppose that's a good. That's actually a really good way of looking at it. I've never really looked at it in that way, to be honest. Yeah. Did you uh, did you go to Anfield obviously the night that we won it then? Yeah. Yeah, it was just out of instinct, really. That uh, I was convinced that Chelsea, we, Chelsea were going to beat City the yeah. day. So, uh, so um, I was on the I was on the AL early doors that day. <laughs> so, um, yeah, but yeah, it was just completely out of instinct that it, I think everyone went to Anfield. It was it wasn't processed or anything, was it? There were people watching that game outside Anfield already. So, yeah, and then the pier head was the pier head was great money. There was a good ten thousand people there. So, that, that looked like the party after the party, that one. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> the hangover. So, finally, the podcast is centred around going the match. So, of every podcast we're doing, I want to end by asking, what are the top three favourite matches you've ever been to or seen? Such a tough question, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> uh, you, you, you can't not go with Barcelona. If you if you were there, just, you can't not go with that. It was, it was unthinkable, unthinkable, really, wasn't it, to what? To have not just be three 0 down because I remember coming out the new camp and it was it was like it was surreal being three 0 down because we we deserved we deserved to score a good a good three goals over there so and then to have Salah and Firmino injured and then you've got a front three of Mane, Shaqiri and Adigi and then yeah I think the first one of the, the earlier generation had seen Etienne and then me me dad and. You know, the lads who go and who went through the 90s, they always say about Chelsea, but Barcelona was Barcelona's got to be on field screen this night, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, like I've said on this podcast multiple times, like I was lucky enough to go to Barcelona, but like going to Dortmund in 2016, like you, you always, and you probably know more than anybody else growing up, you hear all these stories. You just want one for yourself, though, don't you? You like, yeah. you always like, yeah, that's great, but I want one that I can tell my kids. Yeah. Yeah, the, the likes of Dortmund, etc. They're great, fantastic. Dortmund, beating City in the Champions League, United in the Europa League, they're all great. But it's it's that that one where you look back on in fifty years time and you go, wow, like I was there at that yeah. game, Messi, Suarez, Casino, they were done in Anfield, and uh, and not just done, they were three, they were given a three and a lead start, and they were done four 0 <laughs> So, what's your second one? My second one, for what I stated earlier, would it's got to be Bayern Munich away, just because it was the fit. It was the first time I'd I'd been to one of the big, the proper big European grounds and won, and we won. You know, it was it was nil nil going into the first leg, and it was the whole trip around it. Germany have it absolutely spot on. The footy over there, just the the culture and everything. You you just wandered in into the Allianz, and there were Bayern Munich fans next to you. And you're going up the steps, and they went one way, and you went the other. It just it was exactly what you wanted. And then they had one of the biggest clubs in the world, and yeah, we battered them for ninety minutes and went through. People always say about obviously German football. Um, I didn't go to Bayern, but two of my two of my close mates obviously went to it, and um, 
they say that the Alianza's like quite far away from like maybe yeah. what you'd expect. But the the whole culture, they like they've got football spot on over there. And yeah. in a time where we're talking about the Super League and how the fans don't really matter. I suppose this is obviously a bit more of a question outside of your top three here, but do you think that maybe that 50, 50 plus one rule's got to come in to the Premier League, maybe? It's the dream, isn't it, to happen? Like, but do I think it ever will happen here? And no, mm. I, I, I just can't see it, to be honest. I just, I just don't think it'll come into fruition here. But it, obviously, it's a dream. Everyone wants it. But I think... Um, I think Liverpool, the likes of Liverpool, the top, well, the top six clubs here. I think they've got too much control, yeah, and like basically too much money, basically to filter down now. Yeah, hundred percent. And uh, and your third and final one. Uh, my third and final one. <laughs> it's I'm gonna go with the one I stated it. I'm not gonna go with Madrid or anything like that because I think it's a bit too obvious. But I didn't state it earlier. Sorry, it um, it was in Qatar. When we beat Flamenco, Flamenco one 0 Oh yeah. Uh, for the uh, world for the World Club Cup and uh, yeah, it was the whole trip around it. Again, it's it, it was just a surreal experience and playing someone who, you know, we've we've hardly ever played and we probably we might never not play them again. Mm-hmm. Flamenco and their their fans were unbelievable over there. Just first time ever I've seen the Liverpool fans be outnumbered somewhere. <laughs> so what, by, by Flamenco what was your route to the Qatar then I can't imagine what the route was for that uh, it was just direct on a uh, Qatar <laughs> Qatar Airways <laughs> was it not expensive uh, like well yeah uh, yeah yeah. it was uh, well it was it wasn't as expensive as I thought to be but it was a bit do you know what I mean like yeah but to do the four days over there and beat Monterey and go to the fan park and see Qatar for what it was and then to top it all off actually win it by beating Flamenco because you know that that's what ev- that's what everyone had in mind before the, the everyone wants to play the South American team in the final. I'm sure they wanted to play the European team. So, but yeah, it, it was the perfect outcome to to the perfect trip, really. That how how did that feel like in terms of? I'm just trying to like kind of put myself in your shoes for that because did that feel like a proper European away? Did that feel like something you probably not experienced before? Yeah, it was it was something we never experienced. It was it was crazy because we, we walked in. I walked into that Monterey game, the semi final, like, and honestly, the feeling I had was just like this is just like a pre season friendly. Yeah, yeah. And then by by half time, you like it was that was it was like any other game that like you wanted Liverpool to win in the final, especially the final, the way the final went with all the VAR rubbish in it, etc. And then to beat them in extra time and for me, you know, to score, it was just, it was, it was one of the, it was just as good a let, let off as anywhere, really. So I don't think there's any better way to finish the podcast than talking about becoming champions of the world, mate. <laughs> so, uh, just before I let you go, just a massive thank you for giving up your time and coming on. Really appreciate it. No worries. Really enjoyed it. If you enjoyed that episode and want to keep notified for future episodes, please make sure you subscribe, follow and share. And of course, leave us a five-star rating. You can now follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, all at Go In The Match to keep updated for future episodes and updates on the podcast.